Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children and youth through adoption, foster, and kinship care. Hosted by an adoptive mom with over 22 years of kinship and adoptive parenting experience, she's on this journey with you. Please welcome Sandra Flack. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. That is Mark chapter 10, verse 14. I am your host, Sandra Flack. First, before we get started, I need to announce that our virtual intro to FASD workshop that was scheduled for October 27th is uh, canceled for now. My apologies to all of you who registered. Um, We have to cancel because my four-month-old grandson, Killian, uh, will be having another open heart surgery uh, this week. So I will be in Denver with my daughter and her husband. For those of you who have read my book, uh, my daughter Missy is Killian's amazing mama, and I'm heading to Denver to support Missy and her husband, Corey, and of course, to see my precious grandbaby, Killian. Uh, and we would greatly appreciate your prayers. Um, I will, however, be rescheduling, uh, and actually, we really do want to um, also offer a free 45-minute what we're calling a lunch and learn um, intro to FASD. So stay tuned for details about that. Um, And also be sure to check out our bonus episodes with Dr. Jared Brown. I'm so excited about these. These have been amazingly popular with our listeners. Dr. Brown specializes in trauma, FASD, autism, and much more. This series of episodes with Dr. Brown focuses on topics of particular interest to us adoptive and foster parents, things such as prenatal trauma, complex trauma, FASD, screen time. That was a hugely popular episode. Um, Executive dysfunction, inappropriate sexual behavior, Um, That's definitely relevant if you're parenting teenagers, Uh, working memory, cognitive flexibility, and so much more. Uh, We really dive into the brain and the impact um, that trauma and prenatal exposures have on brain development and function. Regular episodes of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey drop into your inbox on Mondays. Uh, This special series with Dr. Brown, they drop on Fridays, but they are all in your podcast lineup. Um, So you're not going to want to miss any of them. And be sure to make sure you don't miss by subscribing to this podcast and leave us a review. Uh, So that way other adoptive foster and kinship caregivers can easily find this show and be encouraged and equipped too. Now, today I'm beginning my own series um, of episodes. I will be breaking down the primary characteristics of fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. This is a topic relevant to everyone because one in 20 U.S. children are prenatally exposed to alcohol. And of course, there uh, is a disproportionate number of children in the child welfare system affected by an FASD, um, though most are undiagnosed or 
misdiagnosed. Um, so many uh, foster and adoptive parents that I speak with initially do not think their child has an FASD. They don't know if they were prenatally exposed, and they really don't know a whole lot about FASD. But then they begin to list several behavioral uh, issues, most of which are actually primary symptoms of an FASD. So, you know, of course, I am not a doctor. I cannot diagnose anyone. Um, but as a mom of two diagnosed with fetal alcohol syndrome and another two that I suspect probably had prenatal exposure, um, I am passionate about educating parents and caregivers so that you can understand, so that you can pursue a diagnosis if you think your child might be impacted by prenatal exposure to alcohol. My boys were diagnosed 10 years ago. They have all of the symptoms, including the facial features. So they are full on fetal alcohol syndrome. That's what their diagnosis is. But when we were given that diagnosis, we were not given any resources or guidance. Then when they became teenagers many years later, everything began to fall apart. And my family is not unique. Unfortunately, I hear from parents all the time who are in crisis, diagnosed or not, their kids are, you know, maybe diagnosed, maybe not, um, and they are desperate for help and support. And that is what we are offering now at JFO. Natalie Vecchione of the FASD Hope Podcast and Sandra Flack of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey Podcast would like to invite you to join their Hope for the FASD Journey, a virtual support community for parents and caregivers raising individuals with an FASD, diagnosed or not. This faith-based community includes an online bi-monthly support group, a monthly VIP conversation, and a private Facebook group which includes a video devotional from Natalie and Sandra every Saturday. To register, visit justicefororphansny.org forward slash training forward slash F-A-S-D. So also stay tuned to the end of this show to learn about even more FASD resources that we offer. So now to our primary characteristics of fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. Um, before I start, I highly recommend you get the book Trying Differently Rather Than Harder by Diane Melvin. So whether you know anything about FASD or not, whether your child has a diagnosis or not, maybe this is all new to you. If you but if you are an adoptive parent, a foster parent, or you're caring for a relative's child, um, I highly recommend this little purple book, as we call it. It was the catalyst for FACETS, which I am now a, fa a facilitator of the FACETS neurobehavioral model. This training has been game-changing, life-saving for our family. And now I'm offering these in-depth FASD trainings for you. Um, if you would like to take a deep dive into FASD, if anything that we're talking about, um, especially in my series that we're, where we're going to break down the primary characteristics, um, you know, not every individual with an FASD has every single symptom. I'm going to break down each of the primary 
characteristics, the primary symptoms. And you know what? One or two might resonate with you out of all of them. Or if you have kids like mine, all of the symptoms apply. Um, but either way, you need to be educated. You need to understand about this because there's such a disproportionate number of children in the child welfare system, like um, especially so, especially if you're a foster parent, right? Um, I've heard it said like 86% of kids with an FASD are in the child welfare system, in foster care. So this is something that definitely affects us um, as parents and caregivers, and we need to know about it. We need to understand it. So if you would like to learn more, if any of this is resonating with you and you would like to learn more and you'd like to take a deep dive into FASD, you can check out my FACETS workshops um, all of our trainings for FASD and trauma are on our website at justicefororphansny.org. So I invite you to go check them out. Now, I'm just going to list off the primary characteristics of FASD. And then I'm going to start with just the first one. And that's the one I'm going to stick with talking about today. So the primary characteristics or symptoms of an of a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, and it's a spectrum. So you may have, you know, like I said, you might see one or two, you might see a bunch of them, you might see all of them, um, but the, these are symptoms. Dismaturity, where a, a child or an individual will act much younger than their chronological age, slower processing pace, impulsivity, memory problems, difficulty with abstract thinking, Difficult managing, difficulty managing time and money, difficulty predicting outcomes, sensory processing challenges, difficulty generalizing, difficulty relating cause and effect, um, problems with planning and organizing, and executive dysfunction. And if you've been listening to any of our episodes with Dr. Jared Brown, he really breaks down um, many of these topics, um, he takes them very deep. He gives us the science. He gives us um, all of the challenges. He gives us case studies, um, and he gives us some of the things that we can do. Um, so he takes it super deep. So I invite you to to really go over there to those bonus episodes and 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 take them in. Um, when you hear Dr. Brown speak, you're going to need a notebook and you're going to want to take notes because it's like he's taken us to school. I'm just going to kind of give us. Um, some basic uh, description of the symptom and what it looks like in the day-to-day -day life. Um, and then what I do at, at my house, right, with it, with, about it. So um, just kind of walking you through um, the specific symptoms and what it might look like, what it does look like, and, um, and really some um, ideas on how to accommodate so our kids can have some success. So um in this series, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to break down each symptom. I'm going to explain it, give a real life example, how it affects daily life, especially at my own house, um, offer those suggestions for accommodations and supports because um, we want our kids to be successful and they're going to need our support in order to do that. So let's start with dismaturity. And dismaturity is when an individual acts younger than their actual age according to their birth date, right? So oftentimes a person prenatally exposed to alcohol, if this is also true if they've experienced childhood trauma, they will act much younger than their age. 
sometimes half as young. For example, I have a son with fetal alcohol syndrome who is 17 according to his birthday, his birth certificate, right? But on most levels, functions more like a seven-year-old. So let me explain. He's 17, but does not have the capacity to drive, work a part-time job independently, or even independently do most chores or his schoolwork. But yet, he's very interested in girls, which is proving to be a challenge. Um, His TV preferences include Star Wars, The Avengers, but also, you know, on any given day, you can find him watching PBS Kids because he loves Wild Kratz and even Curious George. He reads at a second grade level, does math at a third grade level, and he does not care what he wears, even prefers mom to pick out his clothes, doesn't care if his shirt is inside out or backwards, doesn't care if his clothes are even clean or if his hair is washed or his teeth are brushed. Um, I have to supervise these basic hygiene steps to make sure that they are completed. Now, while most teenagers are very self-conscious about how they look, mine, clueless, doesn't care, not even a thought, doesn't register. One challenging aspect of dismaturity is that it's not straight across the board. I have another son with an FASD who's 19. Now he does drive. He can weld. He can build things. He's a volunteer firefighter. He works in our family business, but with accommodations to be successful at that. He does so many things that are that a, a neurotypical 19-year-old can do. However, he too reads and does math at an elementary school level. And he's just starting to care uh, about his appearance and what he looks like in public, at least sometimes. And I have an adult child who is now 30, but when she was a kid, um, all of her friends were much younger than her. She did not fit in emotionally or socially with her peers. She was always younger acting. Um, Now, she leveled off quite a bit now in in her early 30s. Um, You know, really, once any of us is in our 30s, we have friends of all different ages. We have friends that are younger than us and older than us. So it's not really obvious that, you know, that the age, um, the dismaturity isn't so obvious there anymore. And I, I even think of 30 as a target age, right? If we can survive this, if we can get them to 30... They often do level off and gain some maturity um, and can possibly make wiser choices. Um, I've heard the human brain does not uh, stop developing until around age 26. So that can that makes sense to me. Like I kind of see that play out. Um, and, and this kid who is now 30 really, really struggled through her teens and through her 20s. Like really, it wasn't until she turned almost 30 that she kind of you know, was on much more stable ground. Um, But because FASD does not go away. Our kids will not suddenly turn 18 or 21 or 25 and magically be healed or outgrow the symptoms or characteristics of an FASD. FASD is a lifelong physical disability that affects the brains and bodies of individuals prenatally exposed to alcohol. 
I have been a parent for 33 years and have children ranging in ages from 17 up to 33. Three of them are biological children, five are adopted. And right now, with the two teenagers that we have at home with FASD, we are in the hardest season of parenting in all of the 33 years. The hardest season. But there's hope. The FACETS neurobehavioral model has made a huge difference in our lives. Uh, becoming FASD and trauma-informed and equipped has helped tremendously. Parenting from a brain and body lens, which I learned through all of my FACETS training, has helped abundantly. And connecting in community with other parents and caregivers with who are parenting and caring for kids like mine on this same journey. These have all helped me and my family on this road because it is hard and nobody else really gets it unless they're walking the same path, right? So let me explain. I'm going to break those those three things are, are really my points here. Becoming FASD and trauma-informed and equipped, parenting from a brain and body lens, and connecting in community. These are like my the three things the three keys to success, really. Um, and I'm going to like talk a little bit about those three things. And I'm going to get back to what we do at our house with the dismaturity symptom. Okay. So first and foremost, like I said a little bit before, all adoptive foster and kinship caregivers must be trauma and FASD informed. I cannot stress it enough. After adopting all five of our kids, and only after the youngest came home with such significant fetal alcohol syndrome, did we realize we needed help. So we glommed onto the, the connected child and um, the Empower to Connect resources and trust-based relational intervention, TBRI, Dr. Purvis, all of that stuff. And all of that um, definitely helped. And I would highly recommend uh, because it, it fits into this. It all kind of fits together wonderfully like a glove. Uh, but that is not enough training. Um, those resources are pretty popular and easy to access, but my youngest two are also diagnosed with FAS. And like I mentioned, we were given zero resources from the developmental pediatrician when they got diagnosed. So by the time they were teenagers, even though TBRI was helpful, it became clear we were missing a key part of what was needed. And that's when I took my deep dive into FASD. Now, now I am FASD informed and equipped. Uh, I'm not an expert, but I do have lived experience of what life was like before and after I got the facets training and, um, you know, I'm living the dream every day, so to speak, with my boys. So I know how important um, getting the training is and getting educated on this and becoming informed. It's vital for the journey. Okay. I've become a facilitator of the facets neurobehavioral model. Now, you don't have to go to that extreme, but if you want to, I would encourage it. But I would say at the very least, if any of the symptoms that we're talking about any of the symptoms of an FASD resonate with you, 
you've got to get the training. And I highly recommend you pop on over to our website, you reach out to me, and you get on, um, get registered for a class. Um, we're going to be offering them routinely, regularly, um, because it's it's important for the journey. Like you're really not going to survive. Um, you're, you're really not going to have the levels of success um, that you could have and that your kids could have without the training because it really does change everything. And I became a facilitator, a facets facilitator because I want to help other parents and caregivers. I want to help you and your family on this journey. So check out our website for free resources and for the trainings that we offer. Um, again, it's the facets workshops. They come in, um, there's a two hour version, a three hour version, a six hour version. And if you really want to go deep, there's a 12 hour uh, training, which is really two day session. Okay. Um, and there's an 18 hour, which is a three day session. Um, and that would be three days, six hours each day. And we can do them. I do them online and I can do them in person for a group. It really is a group. The facets training is really meant for a group. So if you are interested in any of these trainings, please contact me to schedule one for your parent group. Maybe you already belong to a parent support group or um, you know, you're part of a foster parent training group. Um, maybe your church is a church that has um, several adoptive and foster children um, and kinship caregivers in it. Um, and not only would the parents benefit, but, you know, the pastor and the Sunday school teachers and the youth group leaders um, would all benefit. School teachers would benefit from the FACETS training. Um, it, so it's, it's incredible. So watch for upcoming trainings in early 2023 um, and visit our website. Again, that's justicefororphansny.org. Click training and then click FASD for details because you must get FASD informed and equipped if you are an adoptive or foster parent or a kinship caregiver. And you know, this this podcast is a great place to get resources and to become equipped as well. Um, my, my podcast this, that you're listening to, the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast, while we're not specifically and solely about FASD, I talk a lot about FASD, and if you're a regular listener, you know this because it is so relevant. My, you know, four of my children were adopted internationally. Two of them are diagnosed with an FASD. One probably should have been. And then one child that came into our home way back in 1999 when we didn't know anything about anything, um, she we got custody and then eventually adopted her. And I didn't know anything about trauma. Didn't It was years before I came across the connected child with just trying to get help with our youngest at the time. And I started realizing, gosh, you know, that first kid was definitely um, a trauma kid. Didn't even know, did not know. And then now knowing all I know about FASD and knowing um, all that I know about um, just how social drinking you know, even in those first several weeks of pregnancy, um, when, when, you know, when a mom doesn't even know they're pregnant yet, um, that that's all it takes, right? So you can see symptoms just from that. So it's key. It's very important um, that you become educated and, and aware 
um, and get some training if any of this is resonating with you. Next, uh, parent from a brain and body lens. And that's really what the facets neural behavioral model is. So looking at dismaturity that I started with um, at the beginning of this episode, if we, if we consider dismaturity from a neural behavioral lens, we can't expect our kids with an FASD to simply act their age. We, as parents and caregivers, we have to change our expectations because it's not that our kids won't act their age. They can't. So we must accommodate. We must adjust our expectations to match their developmental age. So we don't parent according to what they should act like for their birthday age. We parent and set our expectations at really the age level that they are functioning at. I'm not going to shame my 17 or 19 year old into caring about their hygiene. It wouldn't work anyway, and it would only cause harm. Um, Instead, I support them. I support them by providing visual aids as reminders and maintaining a morning and bedtime routine, a before school routine um, and a bedtime routine. And I supervise the routine. For example, I help my 17-year-old pick out his clothes. We're talking socks, underwear, shirt, pants, okay? Um, He won't put on clean clothing unless I help by setting them out on his bed. Um, So as he chooses from, you know, I'll hold up, hey, do you want sweatpants or jeans today? And when he picks, I'll say, do you want, you know, the black jeans or the blue jeans? I want him to make choices and practice, you know, with that, you know, memory muscle of making choices, but um, he's he needs help in, okay, and then I sat down, you know, whatever he picked out, I set that on his bed and I set the underwear out. And, you know, are you going to wear sandals today with no socks or are you going to wear sneakers and you need a pair of socks? And I, you know, let him decide. And then I put the socks um, out if he's going to wear socks. And then I have him, you know, do you want a long sleeve shirt? Do you want a t-shirt? Do you like this shirt? Do you like that shirt? And then I set the shirt on the bed and on top of the shirt, I set his deodorant. And then now I'll, I usually like step out of the room while he's getting, you know, dressed um, from the waist down. But when it comes to the shirt, um, I'll remind him which direction, you know, this part of the shirt has to be in the front. And I supervise the deodorant because if not, the deodorant will not get put on. He will say, yes, I put it on. If I ask him, did you put it on? And I'll know within, you know, an hour it didn't get put on. So he needs these reminders. Um, and I supervise that. I keep track of the shower, the shower schedule to remind that, you know, okay, so you, you know, it's, it's shower night. You have to have your shower tonight. And then I remind him, you know, you use shampoo, you use body wash. And then I'll even remind him this bottle is the shampoo. Our, our shampoo is two in one. So it has a two in one, you know, shampoo and conditioner. And it, the bottle actually has a two in one on it. So I'll say, use the bottle with the two in one on your hair um, to help him remember to do that. Because I discovered not that long ago that um, he would be in the bathroom for a very long time to take a shower, but the hair never was getting washed. Um, And one time I discovered him actually sitting, you know, the water was running, 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 running. And he was actually not in the shower. He was sitting on the edge of the tub, um, you know, with just his feet in. Like, so 
It's, it's, it's like that. So, um, even at nighttime, you know, even at nighttime, I supervise the teeth brushing and the face washing. Sometimes I'll even take the washcloth, put the acne wash on it on a hot washcloth, um, and hand it to him. So he can just, you know, rub it all over his face and then he hands it back to me. But if not, it doesn't get done because he doesn't care about taking care of his skin or his hair. If I don't support these routines, um, they don't get done. If I don't, you know, kind of, you know, remind him at night, okay, go, go in and put on, you know, change for bed, sweatpants or whatever you're going to wear. He'll just sleep in his clothes. Um, you know, and my 17 year old really needs the same amount of support that probably a seven year old or even younger would need for bedtime and for, um, the morning routine. And I keep it routine because I hope at some point, eventually he'll own some of it. And he'll just know that these are all of the steps because these are the steps every time we do it. He just needs my support. I am his support person on this journey. Um, so we really need to keep maturity level in mind every day for every task and set your expectations according to what your child can do and support and accommodate as needed for as long as needed. Um, and then finally, find your tribe. We all need community. No one really understands this journey unless they too are on it. So find fellow adoptive and foster parents and kinship caregivers, meet for coffee, connect online, however you can do it. Even listening to this podcast will help you feel more connected to a community of people that get it, you know, and that's also why Natalie Vecchione and I started the Hope for the FASD Journey virtual support community. There are some FASD specific online support groups out there and, and Facebook groups out there. Find one that fits you. Um, Hope for the FASD Journey um, is probably the only faith-based community. Um, so if that's your preference, we would love to have you join us. But whatever your preference, connect with a community, an FASD-specific community. Um, the FASD road can be very lonely and very isolating at times, but it doesn't have to be. I'm here for you. There are other support groups and communities that are out there for you. Find one and connect. You know, I know when I began homeschooling again, um, I hadn't homeschooled in like four years. We had homeschooled previously. And when I resumed homeschooling my son, I discovered there's a there's a homeschooling the FASD way Facebook group. I'd never heard of it before. I don't even know if it existed prior when I was homeschooling in the early days. My friend Natalie, she told me about it. She connected me into it. So then when I resumed homeschooling, when I was thinking, hmm, what would be the best reading curriculum? What would be the best math curriculum? What are other parents doing who have kids with an FASD and who are homeschooling? And, every, you know, I don't, I'm not on that group constantly, but when I'm thinking homeschooling and FASD, if I have a question or a thought, if I hadn't already thought to ask Natalie, who seems to like know everything about everything, um, I'll go to that group and just kind of, you can ask a question on there 
or you can just kind of scroll through and see what the other parents and caregivers are talking about. It's so helpful. So find groups so that you feel connected and you can hear from people who get it. Because if you're getting parenting advice from somebody who doesn't have adopted or foster children, if you are getting parenting advice from somebody who, um, you know, does not understand childhood trauma, and if you're getting parenting advice from somebody who does not know anything about FASD, and it's likely that your kiddo was prenatally exposed, you are getting the wrong parenting advice. You're going to be told to use tools that do not work for the job that you have in front of you. So you need to be connected to people who are on the same journey, who know the tools, um, who have experience with the tools, who are using the tools also, and who can encourage you along the way. And, and so again, you know, hope for the FASD journey. We'd love to have you join our support group, but there are others out there. Find a group and find in-person people. Find fellow adoptive and foster parents in your community, but do not go this road alone. Find your people. So, so important. So again, keep in mind that dismaturity is a primary symptom of an FASD. That's my doggy. I'm recording from home. Dismaturity is a primary symptom. Get FASD informed. Parent from a brain and body lens and connect with other adoptive and foster and kinship caregivers. That will take you a long way on this journey. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey. I hope you feel encouraged and supported today. Be sure to check out our Hope for the FASD Journey virtual support community, our intro to FASD, which we're going to be offering as a 45-minute lunch and learn, and our other uh, resources for adoptive, foster, and kinship caregivers, and especially check out our FACETS trainings that we're offering. Um, go to our website, justicefororphansny.org, click the training tab, and then click the FASD tab, and you will find all of the information there. And you can also connect with me, contact me through the website. Um, I want to hear from you, and I want to be a support to you. Uh, and you can check out my family's kinship and Ukrainian adoption story. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm headed to Denver to support my daughter, uh, Melissa, Missy, um, and my grandson is going to be getting um, open heart surgery. He's only four months old. Um, and I share about how Missy came into our family and um, our whole journey, um, bringing her in and adopting her and the other four kids in my book. So if you want to learn more about that, uh, the book is Orphans No More, A Journey Back to the Father. It's an award-winning book. It's just one memoir of the year. It got a golden scroll. You can grab a copy wherever you buy books. Um, if you order it off of Amazon, do me a huge favor. And after you read it, go in there and leave a review. Um, that's another super easy thing you can do. And it's such a huge blessing to any author, um, any book you read. If you get it from there, um, leave a review. Um, they really do make a difference. Uh, if you'd like a signed copy with a free gift bookmark, you can order a signed copy from my website, sandraflack.com. And there you can also learn more about me, read my blog. I'm going to be, um, I've just recently put up a blog, uh, a new blog post about, um, you know, caution, rough road ahead, uh, which I did an episode similar to that on there. Um, and you can also contact me for not just the trainings, 
the speaking opportunities. I would value the opportunity to come and share to your mom's group, your women's group, your adoption and foster care group, uh, retreats. Um, I'm available for speaking and I travel. So feel free to reach out to me there. Again, that's sandraflack.com. And a quick shout out to our business sponsors uh, who really help us um, throughout the year do what we do, caring for p- uh, children and families in crisis. Um, so a big thank you to Tri Nuclear Corporation, Bishop Boundary Construction, National Bank of Kuksaki, and Cullman Insurance Agency. These businesses care about children and families in crisis. If you enjoyed the show and your state, you stayed the course and are still listening to the very end, be sure to let us know by subscribing and let your fellow adoptive and fostering friends know so that they can listen to this show and be encouraged and equipped too. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. You can find me there as well at Sandra Flack. And I am grateful that you spent your valuable time with me today. I hope you were encouraged and are feeling equipped and are going to come back next week and learn some more. I am thrilled to have you along for the journey. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast brought to you by Justice for Orphans. We hope you were encouraged today. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review and share it with your fellow foster and adoptive parent friends so they can be encouraged too. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. And check out our website for vital resources at justicefororphansny.org.